1: Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game and is happy to confirm that no animals were harmed during the making of our last pod, despite <laughs> what Finlay would have you have you believe. I'm Kevin Day and the, the chuckling person in the background is Finley's owner, Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. Kieran, you sent me a photograph of Finlay. I've never seen a sadder looking dog in my life. If I didn't know that that dog was spoiled rotten and had wonky chomps and champagne flavoured snacks on a daily basis I would have I would have been sending for the RSPCA Kevin. I really would <laughs>
0: yes he, well if he doesn't get his walk Kevin he, he does put his foot down and uh, he gets very arsy. <laughs>
1: Well, technically, Kieran, if he doesn't get his walk, he doesn't put his foot down. I, I think true. you'll find, just you know, call me Chris Packer. Oh, no, Chris Packer? Chris Packer, was it? Chris Packer was a runner from this. Oh, no, he was a... Oh, never mind. Chris Packer. Um, it's, it's Newsday, Kieran, and there's a lot of news to get through, but there's some breaking news. Um, we're recording this on Wednesday evening, and in just an hour or so, uh, the Tracy Crouch fan-led review... Is being published. It seems an odd time to publish it at ten o'clock on on a Wednesday night. Um, almost implies that it's bad news. But you've seen a, a preview copy, and I believe it's a hefty old document, Kieran. Yes, there's. I can't say anything precisely. Yeah,
0: uh, precisely now. But yes, hundred and sixty pages. An awful lot of hard work has gone into it. Uh, Tracy Crouch and her team have been very thorough i think they've very been very measured and uh i i suspect that the majority of fans will be uh in favor of what they hear and read over the next uh few days uh, and we're hoping to get tracy back on the show to uh because she, she's doing the rounds of all the tv and radio stations yeah. on thursday morning um as are some of us and uh uh, uh, but she'll be able to sort of just, yeah, just sit down with have a cuppa have a bit of a more of a natter uh, and perhaps go into it in in, in more detail than, than sort of the other three or four minutes you get on on the local stations
1: well, The Evening Standard on the way home this evening Kieran which is London's local newspapers speculating uh, that it looks like there will be a, um, a fans golden veto uh, there will <laughs> be an independent director um, and again I wouldn't ask you to confirm that Kieran because this, this is an advanced copy but it's I, that's certainly a more in-depth document than I was expecting. I mean, that sounds like more than just the odd recommendation or so. That sounds like a a, a pretty broad manifesto for football going forward.
0: Yes, yes, I, I think it's uh, it's looked at all aspects in terms of governance, distribution, fan involvement, protecting the game, and I think that was one of the things which came out from the interim report that Tracy was. Uh, very keen to acknowledge the, the unique place that football plays in in society in this country, mm. um, and therefore it needs protecting from some of the people that have got more of a, a
1: self-interest. Yes. Well, it's interesting that the standard was uh, implying that fans would be happier with it than club owners, Um which sounds to me like it's going in exactly the right direction. So, obviously, we'll talk more about that on Sunday. Even though it's Questions Day, we'll, do, we'll do devote a lot of uh, time to what's come up in the document, um, as much time as is necessary. And then on next week's news, and then again, we will get Tracy Crouch, or we'll ask Tracy Crouch to come on and talk about it in more details. it's possibly one of the most important documents Um, on the future of football that's been published in recent years. And talking of future, unfortunately, Kieran, to no one's surprise, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer doesn't have one at United. Um, United have now spent quite a bit on sacking managers since Fergie left. And I, despite the fact I had a funeral on Monday, which was a very, quite a jolly uh, day, notwithstanding, um, I'm still laughing at the fact that there's several callers from Man United on several radio shows saying it was a terrible decision to get Oli Gunnar Solskjaer in, and what we need now is Rory Keane or Steve Bruce, which (laughs) just shows you that there are some proper dimwit football fans out here, none of whom, of course, listen to the price of football, but United have spent a lot of money on sacking managers since Fergie went. That's right. Uh, So the total now comes to just over 40
0: million quid. And remember, Sir Alex only retired in 2013, Um, So first of all, it was David Moyes, um, and that was £4.9 million and could have been a lot worse. Um, But I believe that there was a clause in his contract. He actually signed a six-year contract, uh, David Moyes. So under normal circumstances, they would have had to pay up the whole amount. But there was a clause in the contract uh, along the lines of if Manchester United do not qualify for the Champions League... Then they only have to pay him up one year's worth of money. Mm. So, so that, but that was four point nine million. Then, then we had Louis Van Gaal who who um, was, was sacked. Was it the same day that he won the FA Cup? Yeah, uh, yeah which, day after,
1: certainly.
0: Yeah. yeah, so that's that's a bit classy from the Glazers. That was another eight point four. Uh, Josie, Mr. Mourinho, should we say, uh, and his entourage um, got just shy of twenty million pounds. And if the figures are to be believed, and we'll have to wait for United's ne- next set of quarterly accounts to confirm this, um, Ole of £7.5 million. Um, and, and yet, yeah, you know, I've read some of the stories that if United had lost 2-1 on Saturday, he'd probably still be the manager now um, yeah. instead of 4-1. You know, that's the precarious nature of football. You know, and, and everybody says he's, you know, what a nice guy he is. Um, nice guy doesn't make you a good Man manager necessarily uh, it doesn't mean that you're a bad man, man manager. Of course, I've worked for worked for some, some really nice people, um, but yeah. If I, I guess you know, if if you're being brutal, if if you take a look at you know Pep Guardiola, Jurgen Klopp, to, you know Thomas Tuchel, you, you you listen to them speak after games, you look at the the tactic the technical and the tactical parts of the way that they deliver their team, and mm. they all gave the impression of being. Chess grandmasters, whereas you know, I'm not trying to be nasty to the guy, but Oli Gunasalkar, he sort of had that expression after a match that he'd he'd just beaten his dad for the first time at Kaplunk and was <laughs> delighted with himself, and uh, yeah, he
1: just wasn't at the same level, unfortunately. But he he scored in the Champions League final, Kieran, So obviously he's going to be a good manager. It's <laughs> uh, unfortunately this is not this is not a pod where f- talking about football is encouraged. Yeah, yeah. Uh, bizarrely. But I think you're right. I think it's not just that they lost 4-1, it's the club that they lost 4-1 and the nature mm. of the defeat. And Harry Maguire, God love him, causing the nation some hilarity by being yes. sent off very quickly. And I noticed he didn't hold his hands to his ears as he was trudging off after the second <laughs> yellow card. But, I mean, the United are about to spend more money because they've made this bizarre announcement that they're appointing an interim manager until the end of this season and then looking for another manager. And some of the names being thrown about as interim manager are are some of the top names in world football. So if you're getting them in as a temp, that's going to cost them a lot of money, isn't it? It it is. Um,
0: But you've you've got to couch that in in the perspective of qualifying for the Champions League for a club of Manchester United stature is worth the thick end of 50 million (laughs) quid. So if a manager comes in, does a good job, but yeah, but but what happens now? They they've got an interim interim manager in Michael Carrick. Well, he's won his first match. They've got Chelsea on this weekend. What happens if if they turn Chelsea over? You know, where does oh, that leave yeah. them? Um, and yeah, I, we we teach management strategy and theory at university, and this is a football club that doesn't appear to have a strategy. Yeah. And and it's yeah, it's Manchester United. It's a half a billion pound a year business, and. Mm. Uh, it's it's a textbook way of
1: not of how not to run things, but also um, Yosi, as we as we're now calling him. Kieran, Don't, <laughs> don't think Sorry. I didn't notice that, Kieran. So I'm, I'm, as as a true wingman, I am now telling everyone that's how you pronounce his name, Yosi Mourinho. He did he did a half decent job, and he still got sacked. So it's very difficult to know what the parameters are for a club that size. And also, you you talk a lot about the Glazers. And dividends and shareholders and so on. But it strikes me that if if it wasn't a, a normal business company, they would have been asked, well not ousted, but would have, questions would have been asked about their, their leadership, their management, their stewardship of the, the business a long time ago. You're, you're absolutely right.
0: And, and, the, and the Glazers are insulated to a degree because they own um, 119 million shares in Manchester United, which carry 10 votes each. So even if the other shareholders are completely hacked off with their lack of acumen, that um, the, the Glazers—it's yeah, it, a bit like you, you and I are both old enough to remember trade union conferences going way yeah, back, yeah, where, yes, where one course, bloke would stand there and says two and a half million votes, and he go what? Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and you can be as useless as, as you want. Um, but I, I was looking at the numbers for Manchester United. Um, since the club listed on the uh, on, on the New York Stock Exchange, and they have. Uh, They have underperformed compared to the to the Dow Jones index absolutely horrendously um, since uh, since since the listing a few years ago. And and as you you rightly said, under normal circumstances, there would be dissent from shareholders. There would be somebody you know lobbing a few grenades at the the AGM. But none of this is happening um, as as far as the the Glazers concerned. I often. You you can actually uh, listen in when they have their their quarterly uh, results announcements, and I, and I I have a habit of just lurking in the background, um, and they they just get a they just get a no no grilling whatsoever, apart from yeah you know, what who, people who would expect to be fairly professional uh, financial investors turning into fanboys and saying, oh, how mm. many shirts have been sold with Cristiano Ronaldo's name
1: on the back of it? That that really is the lunacy of the industry. Mm. Can we just establish here, Kieran, that you are lurking remotely? You're not actually in the back of the room because <laughs> right. you're, you're, you're a big chap, Kieran, lurking, <laughs> <laughs> yes. lurking for you would be quite difficult. Um, still in the Premier League, and Spurs have announced losses of... 80 million pounds, and in the current circumstances, I don't know whether that's good or bad, Kim, to be perfectly honest. And appointing uh Mr. Conte is not going to help when it comes to losses in years going ahead, I would have thought.
0: Yeah, I, I think
1: we've now become completely
0: inoculated to yeah. some of the, the big numbers being reported by clubs. It, it certainly spurs biggest ever losses. Now, there's there's Oh, yeah, by far. But there's an elephant in the room in the shape of last season. They had £2 million worth of uh, gate receipts coming in from, effectively, just from one match um, compared to... One hundred and twenty million in a non-Covid season, Right. Um, and that had a had a, a material impact. That also significantly allowed them to reduce their cost base because they weren't using stewards. They they they, they had a lot of cost reductions in matches in terms of security, stewarding, c- catering, employment, and so on. But uh, it, it's it's a big number. Um, And I think some of the other issues were sort of causing eyebrows to be raised. They owe £850 million to to lenders, but what they've done, and I think this is where they've been really smart, is that they've managed to kick those loans down the road, and it's the equivalent of an interest-only mortgage for 30 years. So they don't actually have to repay that capital until 2051. And what they will do is that, you know, ten years before it's re, re- due, re- ten ten years before it is due, they will go to the banks again and say, "Look, we keep paying the interest on the due date. Will you will you uh, refinance the loan?" And and the banks will say, "Yeah, yeah." I mean, you know, from from a bank's point of view, if you're a good payer, then in of terms course, of the interest, th- th- then then why go and find yourself a new customer when you've got a good existing one? So so that that was fine in my view because they've got low interest rates. Um, what did cause me to raise uh, a, a slightly quizzical eyebrow, and, and this could be, you know, perhaps it, it's due to, to Daniel Levy's uh, strategy uh, in terms of when it comes to buy players, is that they owe other clubs £170 million in outstanding instalments on transfer fees. Um, so they will say, well, we've been buying players, but you've been buying them on tick. Uh, and eventually, you know, it's a bit like if you if your strategy of of enjoying life is is to do it via a credit card if you if you keep spending more and more money on your credit card you you reach a point where uh, you can't spend any more so um I know Spurs fans will have seen because I've been bombarded with questions about you know, I, I yeah. did an article for one of the newspapers and said that they've they've got the capacity to spend a fortune on on uh, on new players, should they so wish, but uh, the fact that they've got significant creditors already is, is one thing which will perhaps act as a bit of an anchor.
1: Mm, I have to say you do a very good Roger Moore-style uh, quizzical eyebrow but nowhere near as good as either the Baroness or Ali oh, who, yes. could, who could give masterclasses in both that that time we met in, the, in late summer in Brighton And it's just like you could you could put a musical score to their eyebrow and it, it almost seemed like everything we said Kieran led to some kind of eyebrow angle but you know it's almost like they hadn't heard those stories before um where would we be I, I think we may have to send Derby County something at the end of the year and everything well, is going to well, help well, I think hopefully a BAFTA <laughs> well, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? And then uh, w- without permission to sell it and maybe pay some funds. Um, uh, I think you'll probably mention a sterling effort from Derby County fans this week, These are vis some of the unpaid creditors, but the Derby County administrators have published their report.
0: Yes, well, it's it's not report, it's reports, because oh, okay. um, a, a football club should be a relatively straightforward uh, corporate vehicle, um, and Derby County Football Club Limited, historically, has been fine. There's, there was just one company there. Then along comes Mel Morris, and all of a sudden, one company is split into many, many more. We've got Sevco 5112. We've got Geller Law 203. We've got DCFC Academy Limited and many others. And, and trying to work out what's going, wrong, go, going on there was uh, has been difficult. So the administrators have created reports for all of these companies. Um, and in terms of... What is owed, and I think these are sort of the the key issues um first of all, we have what's referred to as secured creditors. Now, a secured creditor um under the effectively the rules that we have, normally has to be paid off a hundred percent before the the unsecured creditors the people the people that supplied Mel Morris with goods and services. In good faith, absolutely. So, these people have got to get twenty-five percent to avoid Derby County having another points deduction. So, we've got Michael Dell's lending vehicle, MSD Holdings, that's in for twenty million quid. We've got other clubs are owed eight point four million for transfers. We believe that is is mainly tipped to Arsenal, um, HMR C. Are owed twenty eight million, so you stick that together, and that's that's fifty six million quid, wow. um, and in theory that could be paid off one hundred percent. And you go, well, nobody's going to pay that for a club which is, um, yeah, going to be relegated. You know, yeah, a, a, a yeah, League yeah. One club that does not own its stadium, um, and and then we we come to the unsecured creditors. Many of these are local businesses. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm I'm aware of of some some people that have traded with other football clubs and they said under normal circumstances, we would not have given this business extended credit, but I'm a supporter of the club and I gave it a bit of a, uh, you know, I gave it a bit of extra uh, extra wiggle room, and now this that that's been slapped in their face. Um, St John's ambulance were owed eight thousand three hundred pounds, and as you rightly said, this is where the Derby County fans came in. Huge hats off to them. They, as soon as they saw that, they got crowdfunding, and yeah. they covered that. You know, a magnificent effort uh, from the Derby fans. There, there are other charities owed around about three thousand six hundred. It looks as if Mel Morris himself is owed one hundred and twenty-four million. Now, whether he's going to insist mm-hmm. on twenty-five percent of that, uh, we're uncertain. One
1: hundred twenty-four millions, one hundred and
0: twenty-four million. That's the amount oh, on really. the director's loan account. Now, if he asks for a quarter of that on top of the fifty-six million uh, that's owed to to the secured creditors, yeah, you know, we we're, we're, we're talking la la land in terms of what a. Uh, a preferred bidder is going to buy so
1: kieran i'm sorry to interrupt but people listening to this will want me to interrupt and say this is this is why we're doing this part. how can he be owed that money it's his fault yep but what what he's done he he has lent
0: the club money um and then he has used that money um as well as money from taxpayers and I, th- I think i think in recent times a lot of the money's been coming from not paying taxes um and people say well you know sh- should we really care well remember the employees they've had the paye subtracted from their salaries and that's money has been used to pay off other things so i think they're entitled to to feel aggrieved as 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 are we we're all taxpayers who have been uh, stiff by this yeah. You know, if Mel Morris wants to run Derby County as an executive toy and that's what Roman Abramovich does with Chelsea and yeah. that's what many other owners do yeah. You know, we've got Farhad Mashiri at Everton uh, you know our, our you know my, my team Brighton we wouldn't be anywhere without Tony Bloom's investment but they keep putting the money in they don't get bored and then turn the taps off and there's never and and all of the bills are paid on time um so um mel morris had lent the club money um to to run and that's why it was paying you know 160 pounds in wages for every 100 pounds worth yeah. of revenue then he got bored um i think it's very indicative that he he managed to find the time to go on radio stations to blame everybody apart from himself he either tr- he, he also tried to put himself in front of uh dcms to explain that what happened at Derby was all of the fault of COVID and all of the fault of the EFL and nothing to do with him. Now I don't, you know, this is Mel Morris CBE, by the way, you know, Commander yeah, of the yeah, British yeah. Empire. Yeah, and my ass. Um, and and, and he doesn't doesn't talk to staff. I, I've had contact from some staff at Derby County, um, myself this week. Saying things and, and telling stories, which I'm not, I'm not going to repeat on this show. I don't think it's appropriate, no. but they don't reflect well. Um, and and just one other snippet: there, there there could have been one more party on that list of creditors, because Derby County actually contacted me a week before they went into administration, offering me some work. Now I turned it down because I felt I was conflicted. Yeah, uh, you know, I I do believe in being independent. But well, if they're also, offering-
1: Kieran, you're not that good of a paintbrush, to be fair. So
0: <laughs> that's right. Well, yeah, yes, yeah. Especially whitewash. Um, <laughs> ah, well played, sir. <laughs> um, but the fact that they were still trying to offer people work a week before going into administration. Now, it. it it could have been a joke on their part because they knew what was going to happen and they thought, oh, it's this is a way of stiffing one of our people who they consider to be a critic. I'm, I'm not a critic. I've tried to be objective oh, in all can, of this.
1: W- without uh, without putting you in too delicate a situation, because this is news I think Derby County fans will be uh, surprised by, what, are you able to provide details of what... Were they asking you to massage figures? Were they asking you to look at ways out of this? Were they asking you to come up with solutions? Were they 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 were asking me to look
0: at some of the numbers i don't i don't think there was anything machiavellian to be right. fair um
1: and, and i won't say which senior member of the, no, no, uh, fair enough. Of, of the club was involved it, it just goes i i i i generally as much as any derby fan yearn for the day when we that the next time we talk about them as happened with Swindon as happened with Wigan that one day we will talk about them as you know being bought by a responsible people but in the meantime it just shows again with the action of the fans that it's it's the fans and the staff mm. who have who who behave themselves with dignity throughout all this are the ones who get stiffed and we we're, we're going to have to move on Kieran because I'll, I I I probably have to go outside and get another bottle of wine to calm myself down which is not how it normally <laughs> works um A better story, Kieran, is that the Premier League has announced additional COVID-19-related funding for clubs in EFL League 1 and 2.
0: Yes, this is a further £25 million worth of funding. Um, I think this is on the back of of the Premier League, uh, having some good news, which we'll come to later. Um, It's also... Part of the the ongoing uh, politics. There's a bit of gunship be- diplomacy between the Premier League and the EFL. The EFL are getting fed up that uh, the progress in talks with the with the Premier League uh, in terms of issues such as the distribution of money that progress seems to have stalled now. We don't know how much that's got to do with uh, Gary Hoffman now leaving, mm. um, but you can understand it from the EFL's point of view. So the, it, the Premier League can now come out with a big announcement. We're giving £25 million to the clubs in League 1 and 2. Now, those clubs are going to be grateful. Yeah, they're going to be grateful for any money yes, from any source. Um, and also, to give the Premier League some, some credit, didn't have to do it. So, yeah, you know, yeah, it, yeah. But so it has done. Um, so it will help those clubs in the lower divisions um, and – uh, you know hopefully uh, an improved distribution model um both within uh, within the premier League between the premier League and the e f l and within the e f l and also between the e f l and the national
1: league uh will uh, will will come forth in in due course kieran we've of, we've often talked about the way the premier League works and that you know that the premier League is basically a conglomeration of the clubs that are in it. In any given season, and this whole thing about the fourteen vote majority, so will a club have come up with this idea, and then it would have been voted on will the Premier League have just said, "Look, we think this is the right thing to do and then put it quietly to clubs for for a kind of thumbs up or is this the sort of thing that the premier League as a as an institution can do off its own back?
0: No, it would have to be voted through I mean there are right, monthly right. meetings um of chief executives of the premier league and richard masters and gary hoffman will be there and you know, other officials as well um and they will make recommendations or it could be that an individual uh club chief executive or, or chairman or owner will will put this forward as a suggestion for you know it, it will be on the on the agenda for the meeting uh, Right. right um, okay. so, so that's the way it tends to operate and yeah it's 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 an extra yeah, works out about an extra half a million pound per club. and i'm I'm sure that th- that money will be.
1: Uh, yeah, spent wisely. Um, well, do you know, what? I'm actually, I'm actually really pleased to hear that, Kieran. It's, it's a, it's kind of a chink of light, and essentially a, a little ray of goodness, if there is such a thing. That the Premier League clubs have agreed to that. So that's 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 all the the derby anger is still there, but it's dissipated slightly by the, that Premier League news and by the fact that it turns out I do have a bottle of wine in the fridge in my office. <laughs> I don't know, I, I don't- in the kitchen together um and uh, clubs in League one and two two of them Portsmouth and Rochdale have issued um, new shares Portsmouth have issued quite a lot of them yep yeah, yeah this is a surprise I, I think some Portsmouth fans
0: have been a bit disappointed with the uh, with the new owners because mm. um, yep you know, we all hope that new owners going could be sugar daddies and I're just yes, gonna say all. hey I, or I, I, or I, I, oh yes yeah sugar mummies um and and come in and say, here's a blank check, go, go and have some fun with it. Uh, uh, and Michael Eisner has, has not proven to be such a person. I think he's been very cautious, um, but th- this is new, new shares. Um, it's 5 million quid's worth. And my understanding is that the money is going to be focused on infrastructure projects uh, at, at Portsmouth, and, and that was certainly – one of the problems the club had under a series of uh owners that that treated Portsmouth football club as a as a glorified toxic pass the parcel yeah, of going from yeah, owner yeah. to owner and of course if you're doing that if you, if you if you're trying to flip it very quickly the last thing you're going to do is to spend money um on on facilities so, so that that is good i mean i i probably had my worst ever football experience at Portsmouth. Uh, we they, they beat us 5-1. It, it it was it was the away end was uncovered, pissed down for 90 minutes. Mark Hately scored a hat trick and then we were kept oh. in by the police yeah, yeah. uh for half an hour after the ground. It was continuing to rain and they all had their you know their big uh, their big capes that they used to wear those days and they were yeah. they were they were chuckling away singing five one, five one to us. And we were, yeah sometimes you've got to go and suck it up. Um, and then thought, yeah, and I thought, yeah. well, at least uh, yeah, because Portsmouth
1: is quite quite a
0: lively place. Um, I, so I,
1: you know, it's quite often, Kieran, that uh, you know, London football fans or southern football fans will, you know, people will say, "Oh, going up north on a Tuesday night." It's like, yeah, that, that, that's one thing. But going to the island, as they call it, yeah. it's, it's it's a robust place to go and watch football. <laughs> yeah, yes, you're quite right. Yeah, um, and and then
0: then the police after half an hour said. Okay, we'll let you out now. They all went and jumped into their police fans, and we realised we've still got to walk to the station. I've got the mm. biggest kicking I've oh, ever really? had, and I've been going to football for you know fifty just... years. Got absolutely—they—they you know, they were just waiting for us, and they, and they—they were, they were annoyed with the police more than us because you know the <laughs> to wait in the rain, in the rain <laughs> to give us a kicking. So they—they they really put their their back into
1: it. Yeah, we shouldn't be laughing about this sort of thing here, and yeah, younger fans need to know that's how things were back in the. Uh, uh, quotation marks good old days close quotation marks yes um so that's pompey uh but also i think there's some really
0: good news coming out of rochdale great um in the sense that they've had all of these struggles over the course of the summer but they've now gone and issued around about three hundred and fifty thousand new shares to fans for two pounds each but it, it's not i mean the money helps the money's great um but more importantly is that it reduces the proportion of Rochdale football club that is owned by Morton House this this strange company nobody could work, quite work out their motives but owned by uh, you know invest- the investor there was a guy down south who didn't seem to be a huge football fan um but i think his investment if you know, if you issue more shares to everybody else apart from him it uh, it dilutes uh, his 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 influence on mm. the club, and, and that's got to be a positive. And you know, to every Rochdale fan who, who's found you know a few quid here and there because they love their club and they bought into this scheme, uh, hat doffed just as it is doffed to those Derby County fans.
1: Yeah, and I, I feel we should point out, Kieran, that ninety nine point nine percent of Portsmouth fans are as funny and generous as the fans of every other club. Um, In particular, I remember one particular match of the day filmed at Portsmouth when I was with six Portsmouth fans in a pub, um, possibly for longer than we should have been, considering it was a professional (laughs) engagement, but they refused to actually say the name Harry Redknapp. They wouldn't say it out loud, so they found various... Euphemisms, some of which were broadcast, all and some of which weren't. Sandra's <laughs> husband, Jamie's dad, Cockney, whatever. Um, and also, I think we should point out, Kieran, that club owners can identify as um, either Sugar Mummy or Daddy as, as, as they yes. wish yes. in these thankfully more enlightened times. <laughs> You will remember, Kieran, and many of our regular listeners, and we love all of you, will remember that a couple of months ago we had a question from somebody on our Monday Questions pod about how much um, county FA is made by fining Sunday League footballers, basically, for yellow and red cards. And, And we couldn't actually find out the exact amount, but I speculated it wouldn't be much because if memory served me, none of us ever paid the fine that we were sent but it turns out we discovered that county fa's are actually making millions kieran from finding amateur players yes yeah, so this is work which
0: has been done by the the journalist sam cunningham and I, it, yeah. uh, I, I believe that there is now an admin fee so you are given an automatic 12 pounds if you've got a yellow 45 pounds if it's a red um and they, they, we're talking about amateur football. Yeah, amateur football run by volunteers. Mm. Um, but also involves kids. Uh, you know, so if you're a if you're an eleven-year-old and you, okay, you've you've done something which warrants a red card. Now, you know, I, I used to referee kids' football and it takes a lot to get a yellow card in kids' <laughs> football, let alone a red. So you'd, you'd really you'd really have to go. Because normally you have a word with a man to say, look, he's, uh, he's, he's just just get him off. Um but uh, it, it is it is disturbing that uh, based based on Sam's figures, he he estimates that around about eight million pounds a year is being generated from Eight's these yeah, yellow and red cards. But some of the county FAs, many of whom, whilst they are not for profit organisations, they themselves have executives who are on a decent wedge. Mm, um really. are are not showing the numbers Yeah, you know, a few of them are um i think uh, essex uh county fa that that was one of the fa's uh, the county fa's that was seemed very reluctant to disclose information and uh somebody who was involved in football there tried to find it out and he had to go and sign an nda and you're going well hold on this is amateur sport you know yeah. th- th- we should have transparency and openness and communication and governance and all of the things which you know, the reason why this show's still going is because you know we, we've we've found that we're not alone in, in having these views but when the football associations themselves who We've always traditionally thought of the good guys in football. Yeah, We don't yeah. necessarily think that some of the, the people connected to the professional game uh, in terms of ownership and, and control are the good guys, but we'd expect the, the county FAs to be uh, yeah, on, the, on the right side of the Angels. They seem reluctant to, uh, to give this information out as well, and I, and I, I just urge them to do so. There's, there's nothing wrong with being transparent. You, you, will not
1: get, you will not get slaughtered for it. You're being open. You're being honest. There are two things from that, Kieran. On, on, on a flippant note, if you were to find the parents of amateur youth footballers uh, for all their misdemeanours, you'd probably make a lot more money. But <laughs> yes. I, yes. I always assumed that I thought what County FA officials got out of it was a couple of tickets for the FA Cup. I had no idea that County FA officials, some of them are being paid. Well, I, I, th- I think, to be fair, m- most of the Blazers who we
0: you know, who we, we regard to you know, as the blazers i think they they do it either for the love of the game or yeah. as you say uh, you know to get fa cup final tickets and i know, I've, I've got fa cup final tickets as a referee in, in in way way back when as well so you know it, it does it, it is actually one of the good things about english football um but i, the, I think some of the the fa's do employ professionals who who are uh, getting rewarded for it. and, and that in itself is fine. You know, if, if they can run the, the the football associations on a more professional basis and therefore they the, the the net position is that there's a financial benefit to the local county FA, that's
1: grand. But they still need to be open. Mm. So you you may say it's a good thing, Kieran, that you got tickets for an FA Cup final, but much as I love you, I'm gonna say shame on you, Kieran Maguire. For getting two t- for taking the tickets out of two dedicated fans, you couldn't get into an FA Cup final because you blew a whistle at a couple of kids' games on a Sunday. That's not right, is it? I well, as you, a side look, of you yeah,
0: yeah, I'm, 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 I'm on the I'm a wrong one, but it was the, it was the, it was the Paul Gascoigne uh, red card. Uh, sorry, oh, Paul Gascoigne oh, yeah, versus first FA Cup final as well. Absolutely yeah, cracking
1: yeah. match. Yeah, wasn't that the semi-final, or was that the final? No, no, So it was the final where, remember he... he oh, he got he, injured, he, didn't he, with he injured. Of Gary Charles, yeah. Gary Charles, yeah, that's yeah, right, yeah, the Spurs 1-2-1. No, oh, yeah, because they beat Arsenal in the semi-final, didn't they? Of yeah, course, yeah, yeah. Um, further up the scale, but with a slightly amateur, shambolic tinge to the story still, the National League may end its contract with New Balance early after the company failed to provide enough match balls, and this and it's not just the word balls that made me laugh there, Kieran, but it, there's a certain carry-on sitcom element to this story, isn't it? The one thing you'd expect a ball company to do is to provide balls.
0: Yes, yes, so uh, New Balance signed a deal with the National League, I think it was a three-year deal for footballs and training kit and there's not that much that goes into
1: making a football, is there? You know, it's. I wouldn't have thought so. No, no. Small, a small child in Bangladesh with nimble fingers, maybe I don't know. But, um, <laughs> um, and
0: by all accounts, from the very start, uh, New Balance have struggled to uh, to deliver on time. Um, it looks like a further two thousand footballs are required for the remainder of the season. I'm going two thousand. Football- oh, to me, that yeah. seems a lot. Yeah, but uh, that—that that, uh, I
1: can—I can hear it in your voice. Say, it. get it, get it off your chest, Kieran. The universe won't be pleased until you say that's a lot of balls. I know you I know you You'll say if you don't, you'll wake up at three o'clock in the morning, going, "Oh my god, I didn't say that's <laughs> a I had the one chance I've ever had to properly say it's a lot of balls without producer guy telling me off, and I didn't do it. Take the chance, Kieran. Liberate yourself. That, well, that that is that is an, you know, it's a magnet. you it's it's a nice
0: round number as well. It's a nice round balls <laughs> number. That's my fault. <laughs> um and. Yeah, we're almost at Christmas and they have promised, they have promised a delivery for December uh, and if they fail to make it, uh, if they fail to deliver on time, it looks as if the National League are going to rip up the
1: contract um, and they're going to go on a ball hunt. Okay, there'll be <laughs> there'll be more of this balls to come, I imagine. Oh, bye-bye, BAFTA. Yeah, again, there's always the moment. That's it. That's this week's one, isn't it? Um, you mentioned earlier, Kieran, that there was, there'd was there been some good news for the, the Premier League and um, looking briefly at the fact that we've only got a couple of news stories left, this must be it. Um, in the United States, NBC has retained the rights to show Premier League games for another six years. I mean, that's we talked about um, uh, women's football selling their rights abroad and, and the confidence that showed in that as a dreadful word, product. But, a six-year contract for the Premier League is a, a big show of confidence, isn't it, for that dreadful word product?
0: Yes, yes. Uh, it, I, I think this went two or three rounds in, in terms of negotiations with a series of broadcasters, which is great because it it meant that the Premier League was able to uh, let the, uh, the, the interested parties bid up the price. Um, it's gone for £2 billion, which is Whoa. doubling the money it, it, compared to the last deal um which is which is good news of course for premier league clubs they will get uh by my estimation you know between around about 14 and 29 million pounds a year each wow. um and this is yeah you know, the the international rights used to be distributed evenly between all 20 teams which yeah. which is great um, but a few years ago, the uh, let's call them the greedy six, whatever you want to call them, the big six, um, they started making their well you know we're we're the uh we're the driving force behind mm. behind the interest in the Premier League, which nobody denies yeah. um and therefore if you uh if if you don't give us a greater share of that money um then we're going're going to go off and form our own league uh, mm. super league so so this was one of the the super league threats that worked in their favor. So what is now happening is that any increase in distribution rights, only 50% of that is spread evenly and the other 50% is uh, is going to go on, on where the clubs finish in the table, which is, is going to... Accelerate the gap between the top and the mid tier, and the mid tier and the bottom of, of the Premier yeah. League, which I don't necessarily think is is needed. You know that the gap the gap's big enough already, um, but it but it is great news. And NBC have got both the English and the Spanish language versions of this. Oh, okay. Um, audiences for. Premier League matches are up fourteen percent this year. Um, They're averaging six hundred nine thousand, and people you might think, well, that doesn't sound too great. But a a normal Premier League game broadcast here in the UK, the the best games, the biggest games, normally only get around about two million here in the Mm. UK. So I I think because it because it's on a subscription basis here, Uh, so so those numbers are are, are pretty decent Uh, and. Um, there's also um a a sort of a loop effect with with the success of Ted Lasso. Uh it has driven increases <clears> in interest. <throat> oh, sorry, sorry, talked, sorry, we don't talk about the program.
1: We've do we? talked about we've talked about this before, Kieran. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um six hundred thousand. Um for those of you who are new to the thing, Ted lasso um asked me to uh, not even audition they asked me to play the part of myself uh, and then I didn't get it somebody <laughs> else played the part of me but um 600,000 Kieran uh, that doesn't sound a lot actually for a country that with a, a viewing audience the size of America but I'm guessing advertising within that they'll they'll be selling a lot of beer and pizza ads within that I, I would imagine yes so it, it's it's
0: a really good demographic uh, in two ways. First of all, it tends to be um, younger, a younger audience with disposable income. But also, from from the perspective of the broadcasters, because the matches are taking place in UK time, it doesn't take audiences away from the NBA, the NFL, and so That's on. Cool. So therefore, yes, yeah, I'm you can sure have yes, a, yes, a match course. at three o'clock and a match at five o'clock from yeah. the Premier League. Um, and what we 're now seeing is people going to the bars, getting to the bars in New York at ten ten a m for a premier League game, another one at midday and By the time the American sports come on a bit later, they are absolutely rat um, yeah. but they're but they 're still paying uh and and it and it works as sort of a seamless for for both uh hospitality. Uh, providers, you know the, the the restaurants and the bars and so oh. on, uh, but also for the broadcasters because it gives them a product, horrible word, um, that, uh, that that they they can spread over the, the, a longer
1: period of time. Yeah, and I understand from friends and family in America that the the coverage is actually very good. Yep, the, the um, and the pundits and the commentators are very good as well. Now we um, we singularly failed to get through the New Balance story without mentioning balls quite a lot. Let's see if we can get through this story about a South American country without using the word Brazilian too many times. <laughs> and when I say we, Kieran, I mean you because I'm not going to use it in the story. Rick Parry, oddly, has helped Brazilian clubs. Secure a private, and that's that's clubs in Brazil, not a, as in a lot of clubs. He's helped a Brazilian clubs. Um, he's helped Brazilian clubs secure a private equity funded breakaway league.
0: Yes, well, this is this is a proposed league, but um, what happens is uh the issue with football in Brazil is that the national federation, the CBF, yeah, you know, and, and we we've grown up with those letters, haven't we? Ne- never quite of course, knew what I'm they sure, meant, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we've we've always seen them proudly displayed on uh, on
1: Brazilian shirts. Arguably, um, be the best international shirt in the world, Kieran. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you know, yeah that, wouldn't you? Yeah, I'm 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 there. With Certainly you. for our generation. Yeah, um,
0: has uh, has controlled the uh, domestic club game as well. Uh, now, if you think about in the, here, in, here in the UK, we've got the Premier League, which was which is separate from the Football Association, and they they do different things. The argument put forward by some of the clubs is that there is so much focus in Brazil on the national team by the national federation that the the domestic game has been left to wither on the vine, mm, and nice. uh, yeah. the clubs aren't making enough money, and it's it's poorly governed. So. Um, the, these proposals is that there are some US private equity companies, and I always get very twitchy as soon as the words private equity are mentioned in the context of sport because mm. all they're interested in doing is slashing costs, making the most of existing assets, and getting out of the places mm. in due course as a rule. But it looks like they they are willing to put in between $750 million and a billion dollars. Um, to, to set up a prospective breakaway league, they say they want to do it with the blessing of the CBF. But sometimes, you know, that, that blessing can be a little bit, a uh, little bit distant, um, and uh, we, we could see a, a new form of uh, Brazilian uh, club game uh, similar perhaps to the Premier League could it be similar to the Super League we don't know the exact details but, the, but by all accounts all of the clubs are, are willing to sign up for this uh, if uh, if they don't get what they want from the CBF.
1: Okay. Now our penultimate story Kieran has a, a concept that you have explained to me before on air but still there are three words I understand in this news story, and all of them are in the, f- the first half of the sentence. Barcelona have ended their partnership with non-fungible token marketplace Onyx. Yes, um, <laughs> and, and, and this... I, I recognise that chuckle you get so that. Oh, he's an idiot, but I quite like him. he can read words off a page quite well, <laughs> 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 but bless him, he doesn't understand the grown-up talk. <laughs>
0: well. This this is something which has has come and gone very very quickly um, indeed. Barcelona announced this deal with this company called Onyx um, early in November, and let's face it, it's only the twenty fourth today. Um, and this was for a series of, and I quote, digital did sorry digital collectibles. Where you take ownership of a photograph or a piece of video, which uh, is, is linked to memorable moments in the club's history. Um, and, and this is what a, a non fungible token is. Uh, it, it's effectively saying that the club says, uh, you now have ownership to Lionel Messi's first goal in the European mm-hmm. Cup final in, uh, in 2009. Um, and we're going to say that we're, go- we're, we're, we're going to give you a certificate. Of ownership of that, um, and you get people going. Well, hold on, I can watch that on YouTube anytime we, of the world. Yeah, yeah, go, yeah, yeah, well, yeah, but yeah, but you now officially own. It. So it it is it is it is magic beans, um, and, and there is a lot of skepticism in this. And I know uh, I think Rangers are trying something similar. Um, whether it's going to work or not, certainly these companies they are trying to get legitimacy. Uh, through football, um, and and they don't like criticism. Um, I, I've, I've been invited to a match uh, by one of these organisations because apparently I don't understand what they're trying to do. I think what they're trying to do is to make some money. Um, if anybody
1: understands it, it should be me that gets invited because I, <laughs> I generally don't understand what's going on. When you, Kieran, when you say they, they own it, and I'm sure I asked this before, they... They don't own it in any copyright sort of way, do they? It's not like me buying the Don Rogers' first goal for Palace against Everton and go right. If anybody ever wants to use that on the Big Match Revisited, they've got to come to me for the rights or permission to use it. Is it? That,
0: you're absolutely right. Um, all, all that happens is that you are getting a certificate, a certificate of, of the event. So you know, let, let's say let, let's say that, that Palace win the FA Cup this year and you get you 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 are given the shirt by the club of the guy that's you know of the player that scored the winning goal and a certificate of authenticity. Now that's actually worth quite a lot. And you'd never resell it, I know, but if you know, it, it would potentially be worth quite a lot of money. Well,
1: um, it would annoy Ali because I don't think Ali would like to be sleeping on the other side of that shirt for the rest of her life, which <laughs> is, is what would happen. It would be, the shirt would be in the middle of the bed. I'd be clinging to one side and Ali would be clinging to the other. But, yeah. <laughs> um,
0: but what they're trying to do with these NFTs is to do that on a digital basis. Mm-hmm. so so in theory you could sell an nft for every goal of the season or let somebody does a you know does a cruyff turn you could buy that you know they they could sell you those 5 seconds and you go well hold on I, I, as you rightly said anybody else can watch this Whenever they want on, on mm. YouTube or or yeah you know, on on the club's own website, so so what in, what exactly what exactly am I buying? You're buying the right to sell your certificate to somebody else, and provided there's another mug who's prepared <laughs> to buy <laughs> that certificate from you, yeah. then it has value, and that's how NFT works. It, it's finding it, it's it's a system of finding enough suckers to mm. buy something, um, which is a, a digital viewpoint of of a of a
1: point in time and I think that is a an official accounting term is it another mug yes'm yeah. um, um, sorry our last story um it involves the ongoing civil war between UEFA and FIFA. And we've discussed the idea of the World Cup being held every two years and FIFA expanding their Club World Cup. And we speculated as to how much that would cost major leagues in UEFA. And finally, you're able to put a, a, a ballpark figure on that. Yes, because
0: the, the leagues themselves and UEFA asked uh, Deloitte and, and another, form, another firm of management consultants to say... Okay, what's the score? um And it's coming out as six billion pounds a season, Whoa. which yeah, huge sum of Isn't money. It? Around about, you we know, are about a quarter of all of the money made in European football could potentially go. And the reason for this is, if we're realistic, the only way that you could have a World Cup every two years and this expanded twenty-four team club World Cup now. You know, you and i we, we go to pubs we talk we talk to football fans from all clubs when was the last time you heard any fan of any club a mention the club world cup and then Never. b say actually yeah, i I would be interested if it had three or four times as many teams in it. Yeah, you know, no, it's,
1: it's complete. No. It's complete nonsense from from a fan perspective. If, the, if there's um, no if there's no game on TV, if it's a Thursday night or a Thursday afternoon, and that game's on, then you'll go. Oh, that's handy. Let's watch this. And not, but no one, no one's interested in it at all. Not even the, the fans of the, the the big teams around Europe and around the world. Yeah, um, but the only way that this can be fitted in.
0: Uh, within the existing fixture calendar is you're going to need smaller domestic leagues. So, okay, you're oh, right. a Crystal Palace fan. I'm a Brighton fan. Uh, we're moving to a 16 or an 18 team oh. uh, Premier League. So, uh, okay, Kevin, how how are you better off by Palace playing four to eight fewer fixtures domestically each season?
1: Yeah.
0: I, I can't well, work it out. Uh, and that well, goes unless, the same. Unless
1: we're, in, unless we're in a championship, in which case we more playing more, but fewer crowds. Yes, yeah, of course. Yes. Yeah.
0: Um and it's yeah, and if you're an ambitious team, you know, Villa, Leeds, Newcastle, Everton, West Ham, you know, all of those clubs, you go, Well, how are we better off on the on the back yeah. of that? Yeah. Um, and also um it looks as if these fixtures, many of them would be taking places um at weekends for these expanded FIFA club competitions. So oh, okay. Premier League matches would have to move to midweek fixtures, which smaller crowds more difficult if you've got kids you know all, all of it is uh, is bad news so this is clearly part of the ongoing power struggle and money struggle between fifa and uefa there's there's no doubt that infantino and severin uh, are, are not big pals um, and it's it's sort of gunship diplomacy between fifa and uefa mm.
1: Well, if you'd like to make a small monthly contribution to our always-free-to-air pod, then please go to patreon.com slash priceoffootball, and we'd be very grateful if you did do that. But if you didn't, we wouldn't mind at all, as long as you keep listening. And if you have a question you'd like answered on the show, and Monday is our questions day, email us at questions at priceoffootball.com. And in the meantime, I shall hand you over to Mr. Kieran Maguire for his customary farewell. Well um thanks
0: again folks for all your feedback uh if if you want to support the show myself and Kevin we don't quite understand how this works The nope. producer guy does <laughs> if you, if you go on to that purple icon and uh you you give us five stars on the apple reviews only takes a few seconds it helps us in the charts helps him to negotiate with uh with guests you know we, we managed to get uh, Maheta from the PFA, yep. and, you know, and one of the things that his team did, they say, "Well, actually, we, we don't know, quite know what this show is because it's it's two slightly confused blokes, but <laughs> it, it it does get high ratings, um, and, and that's partly due to the uh, to to the way that A- Apple's algorithm works. It doesn't matter what you say. So, you know, if you give us the five stuff, so you could say you would rather it was presented by Dame Helen Mirren and Ronaldinho." <laughs> Now, I'd listen to that. I think that'd be a fascinating show um, than, than us or or Doris Day and Harry Maguire. You know, it really, it really makes no difference, but it does help. Thank you.
1: <laughs> yes, Doris was, of course, one of my nicknames at school. <laughs> yes, I along, can imagine. Along with uh, Middle Kev, because there was a Big Kev and there was a Little Kev. Both of whom I envied greatly. I'd rather have been little Kev than middle Kev, but there you are. <laughs> or Doris, to be perfectly honest, but there you are. Um, yes, thank you for listening, everybody. We'll see you be back on uh, Monday. Have a lovely weekend.
0: Bye. Football. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive, sought after, rare, and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne.